And hello and welcome everyone to the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. We are coming very close, Matt. We are in striking distance of that hundred episodes. Wait, it's episode 79. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting very close. You know, we owe that to not missing a show very often, I think. I think so. I, th- I don't think we've, uh, we've missed a week since we started. I think there was a couple where we did pre-recorded stuff, but yeah. Yeah. That's right. We could, Usually I always try and make it something. If I know we're not going to have a show, I try and put in a commentary or I try and put in something special. It's very rare that we don't have anything for Wednesday morning. Yeah, yeah. Hard to believe it's going to be quite a milestone when this show, this show that you and I have been doing together hits that 100. Because we've been on other shows that have hit 100 episodes. Yeah, yeah. But this is ours. This is ours that we built at everything with nothing but, you know, elbow grease and gumption and small amounts of cocaine. A box of scraps in a okay. cave. <laughs> we built this podcast in a cave <laughs> with a box of scraps. <laughs> I'm sure I mentioned it in other episodes, but it was a scary two weeks there when, you know, everything changed for us and we both struck out solo at the same time. It's like, oh, I don't even know if I can do a podcast anymore. Do people, do people want a podcast anymore? Maybe I'd pass that. That lasted for two weeks. <laughs> and then it just fell right back into it. it was like riding a bike it was that easy yeah yep. but yes everyone welcome to the comic multiverse i am joel and the man i've been talking to this whole time is matt hello everyone you know uh we did a big doomsday clock guide video uh last week uh, along with our regular show and thank you everyone for listening to that it actually did better than my doomsday clock video there was a guy in that video who said man i love these inter-channel collaborations and i'm like me and Matt collaborating is nothing. I, I'm happy you're happy, <laughs> but I mean, you, you know, we do a podcast together every week, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 you know our week, our week that is nothing new for us. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I'm happy you're happy, but I think your ceiling for collaboration is a little lower than mine. <laughs> no, no, no. You see, all those podcasts didn't count as collaborations. You guys have to do that. This is something you did extra and outside. That's a collaboration. <laughs> that was special but uh yeah everyone this week not a hell of a lot of news we've been blessed or cursed depending on how you look at it the last couple weeks with just an avalanche of topics and things to talk about and dig deeper into smaller uh smattering this week but that's fine because i get the feeling the real main event the thing everyone's going to be super interested in this week matt is for us to talk about the comics and especially doomsday clock we will be having a spoiler chat with that near the tail end of the episode definitely uh what else did i want to say i feel like i had other things to say uh no that was just i mean i guess i guess we'll just get into it then oh yeah okay no no i remember what i wanted to say we were gonna do punisher spoiler cast this week everyone but uh i need another week to finish it because i'm one of those stupid people who watch a show with somebody which means i'm not done this week and i need another week to finish <laughs> I, I make sure all these all these stuff that we do for work i make sure i watch alone there you go i mean i might have to start doing that i mean i got a lot watched i'm on episode nine i was able to watch like nine hours of it but it's not enough yeah you're almost there though almost i will say initial thoughts though uh much like all the other netflix shows uh there are moments where it does feel kind of padded, where we kind of leave the Punisher for long stretches of time. But unlike Defenders and unlike Iron Fist, I actually like the B and C plots for this. 
Yeah, they're they're actually really good, especially Micro's whole thing with his family and everything. It's probably one of the best like arcs for a character I've oh, ever yeah. seen on TV. Micro, Lewis, Madani, it's all really well done. They're all, you know, really well acted, really well thought of. And more importantly, the B, C, and even D plots do a lot to inform the overarching themes of the Punisher. And they match and they make sense. Definitely, yeah. Unlike, say, in Iron Fist, when they would keep cutting away to like, oh, you know, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, Game of Thrones with the Meachin family. I'm like, oh my god, I don't care. Why is no one punching anyone? <laughs> Because, you know, boardroom talk, this is my favorite part of any Iron Fist story. <laughs> like, here it actually made sense. So, yeah, we'll save our overall thoughts for Punisher for next week when I've got a chance to finish it. And probably more people, too, who are equally slow watching. I know some people are like, oh, no, no, don't spoil Punisher for me yet. I haven't finished watching uh, Stranger Things Season 2. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I know, right? Friggin' Netflix never gives you a break. It doesn't. It doesn't. They just they just put on that um that Trailer Park Boys show. So I've been watching that. See, I gave up on Trailer Park Boys like halfway into season ten, which is a pretty late way to quit a show. Halfway into the tenth season after the third movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what broke it for me, and it's probably my thing uniquely as a Canadian who watched the show when it was like nothing and no one knew about it if i if i may be a trailer park boys hipster here for a moment like oh i liked it before it was cool i legitimately did but the thing that broke it for me was in that season 10 when they show up on the jimmy kimmel show for a second and i'm like and it's dead yeah no i i agree with that as well like and much like you i watched it before it started getting cool and everything and yeah it like the last couple of seasons they've just kept jumping the shark just too much. Which, again, to their credit, took them ten seasons and three movies to jump the shark, and the actors yeah. taking complete and utter creative control over it, like actually buying the rights to it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that, like one of those Muppets movies where it's like, you know, oh no, you know, the Muppets have control over the show, Kermit's gone now, and they're, you know, all uh, wallowing around in their worst comedic instinct. That's basically the Trailer Park Boys now. <laughs> Also, the complete and total selling out to American interests, which, again, I don't blame them. They've become huge stars over the world now, and that's awesome, and it's continued their fame. But at the same time, too, it's like, oh, oh, you're doing whole seasons outside the trailer park now, huh? <laughs> oh, you're going to Europe yeah. and America, and oh. Yeah. That, that seems like a betrayal of your basic concept. All right, but hey, you look to be having fun, so, I mean, I guess that's all that matters, <laughs> right? Guess so. Mm-hmm. You know who else is having fun, Matt? And he's going to be having a lot of fun. I'm just not sure for how long. Uh, who's that? I had a drink of water. Sorry. <laughs> see, man, see, I've got you doing it now. I'm, I'm a thirsty boy who needs his liquid <laughs> to keep my talkings. But yeah, the person who's probably going to be pretty happy is uh, Jude Law, who we found out this week has been cast as Marvel in the upcoming Captain Marvel movie. Pretty cool. That's pretty good casting. It is, isn't it? Like, I read that and I'm like, yeah, yeah, Jude Law is Marvel. I can like him as soon as I see him, but then when he eventually goes away, because of course he's going to go away, I won't miss him that hard. Much like the career of the real Jude Law. <laughs> I liked him when he showed up and when he disappeared, I didn't care. No, no. I won't miss him too hard. I just like the idea that they're incorporating Marvel into the movie and be like, yes, our Captain Marvel is something of a legacy character and we're going to pay homage to the history of the Marvel line. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. It sounds like his role is going to be similar to um, 
I guess what Tony is to Peter and what mm. Yinsen was to Tony. Yeah, or even Marvel in the cartoon when they basically did yeah. their own version of the Kree Scroll War, which is what the movie's gonna be. Yeah, that, oh, that's gonna be so cool. I wonder is is he gonna wear the original costume? Or are they gonna get him in the original Captain mm. Marvel costume? I hope so. Maybe because yeah, he, he's at the moment he's he's, he's just playing the the doctor, the yeah. the, the undercover version of Marvel. So uh, maybe maybe. There's a lot of interesting places they could go with him. Hell, maybe audiences really like him and they don't kill him off or make him go out into deep space and be like, yeah, he can, he can hang out, he can come back. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. We can grow the family and be like, yeah, you know, we've got Marvel, we've got Carol, we've got everybody. Shit, if they do a sequel and people like Jude Law enough, they leave that open to be like, ooh, 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 in the sequel, Monica Rambeau should show up. <laughs> <laughs> Just to really mess with and confuse people, be like, wait, 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 there was another uh, female Captain Marvel? Yeah, yeah, there was, before Carol, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but th then they'd have to also set the movie in, like, the, the 70s or something, which would yeah, be pretty cool. To make it make sense, but hey, you know, it's gonna be a bit of a prequel anyway, be like, yeah, well, in this Marvel Universe, uh, 70s nostalgia and retro fashions came back from it. <laughs> Or no, no, you know, even better, she's a time traveler is what she is. <laughs> there we go. She used her Marvel powers to time travel, and then, of course, obviously for the third one, although I don't know if I would see them doing this because they seem to have plans with her for TV, then obviously you work in Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, and she shows up for a little bit. She doesn't have to get her powers in the movie, but she can just show up for a minute. There you go. Yeah, and then, then that, that leads into like doing stuff within humans properly. Exactly. Properly. That, I bet people didn't see that coming where it's like, what's in humans? You know, what's the one hope for in humans right now? Oh, well, if they did something with Miss Marvel. <laughs> That's the one. Hey, it, it, it could work. It, it could work. Get back the actor who plays Black Bolt and get back, uh, what is it, uh, Lockjaw. That's that's mm -hmm. all we need. Those are the ones people like. <laughs> yeah, bring back the CGI dog. <laughs> bring back the CGI. Well, again, the CGI dog Lockjaw plays a pretty strong and big part in Miss Marvel comics. Actually, the new yep. Kamala Khan one. So that would be fine yep. if the dog shows up and that's the one connection where it's like, oh, where are you from, space dog? Oh, it's a whole thing. <laughs> it's about a season, no more. Yeah, yeah, we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. But if you ever want to go meet Quake from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that would be just fine. <laughs> no, she's in space. <laughs> oh, shit. Damn it. That that show starts back this week. It is. We'll have to talk about that. I know some people were saying, like, hey, can we expect some more uh, Cape TV episodes coming out because of all the new developments happening on TV? And to answer that question... Yes, but you're going to hear it here. Cape TV will now be a segment of the comic multiverse. We could not, we could not reach a financially beneficial agreement for that show. I shopped it around to all the networks. No one wanted it. <laughs> but that's okay. It, it, well, it was a one-season show. It was a one-season wonder, much like The Inhumans. <laughs> oh, man, but we made work you can be proud of. You can go back and listen to any of those episodes. Yeah. They're, they're all they're all relistable. That's that's how we built the series so you could revisit every individual episode and it would be worthwhile. Man, if you want to hear us just cutting into Legends of Tomorrow, you can. If you want to hear us getting more and more disillusioned with Flash, you can. If you want to hear Matt praising Supergirl, you can. <laughs> uh, speaking of Flash, uh, this week's episode was actually really good, wasn't it? 
Uh, what was? Oh, yes, yes. This week's episode was very good. It's been a while since I watched it. Mm. The Origins of the Thinker, which I got to say, they did a really good job making him kind of sympathetic, making him a threat, and yeah. also making him very different from every other villain that The Flash has faced. Yeah, it, I'm so glad that they they kind of tied it in with The Flash's origins like the other mm. villains, but he didn't get any speed powers out of it. In fact, he kind of got the opposite. He did. He got quite fucked over. I like this idea, too, where it's like his motives were completely the other side of Barry. And in fact, they were arguably heroic. He wanted to uplift humanity and make everyone smarter, only it completely rebounded on him. Yeah, and kind of fucked him over and made him a cripple. <laughs> it did. And it's funny, you know, DeVoe, too, the way they write him, he's almost like a diehard villain because he fucks with Barry at work and be like, haha, you can't come at me because, you know, if I if I get beaten up or if I stub my toe, everyone will think you did it. <laughs> and I'm like, that's really clever, actually, to have a villain with a secret identity, too, and explain, you know, why doesn't the Flash just beat up this man in the chair and end everything? Uh, yeah, yeah, because if he did, he would be a kind of a, a dick. <laughs> He'd be a dick. Everyone would be like, God damn it, Alan, you beat up the man in the wheelchair. Why? <laughs> sick fuck. It's, it's actually kind of funny, too, because when Singh is cursing out, uh, like, Joe and Barry for being like, oh, you know, you did this off hours, but, you know, you still introduced yourself as cops and you overstepped your authority and i'm like oh this is just the time he knows about they overstepped their authority <laughs> as cops yeah this is just one moment in in three four seasons worth of stuff that they've done that <laughs> it's like jesus christ saying if that bugs you and if you think that's a horrible miscarriage of justice then man you don't even want to know half the stuff they were doing <laughs> <laughs> and it's great too because it really does feel like that never crossed Barry and Joe's mind before. They're like, "Oh yeah, what we're doing is actually a miscarriage of justice a lot of the time when we go out as cops to do this." Yeah, yeah. That episode was even better too because you forget that in the previous one they're like, "Okay, we're gonna go to Devoe's house. You know, we're gonna go there and we're gonna catch this guy once and for all." And they're going through the door, but everyone else was all around in the area with their science guns and everything else, ready to jump them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love it if they heard the signal wrong where it's like it's him get him and then they do jump the guy in the wheelchair because <laughs> Mr. Oh I'm the thinker I'm so smart I see everything oh, you didn't see that coming did you no <laughs> you didn't see getting jumped oh man uh, Legends was fun this week too uh, Rory going back to Vietnam and hanging out with his dad that, that, that was pretty good that, that was, was pretty good. Movie. And his dad's just as gruff as he is. <laughs> He's exactly like him in every single way. Shit, they make, again, continuing that Heatwave is weirdly the best character on that show, they actually make him more layered and more sympathetic than comic Heatwave has ever been at this point. It It's so strange that they chose, like, this is a character we need the, the audience to, like, fall in love with and like. Absolutely. And it's so weird because, like, when I first saw him, like, oh, he's meeting his dad again. They're, they're retreading, like, season one when Captain Cold met his dad, even right down to having a beloved character actor betray, uh, portray him. I'm like, ah, oh, great, it's going to be the same thing. Oh, no, wait, he actually forgives his dad? Oh, no, wait, he actually learns a lesson and grows as a person? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> and uh, the surprising thing was that they were, they were like, fighting Gorilla Grodd, and yes. I didn't... I didn't... I remember hearing that he was going to be in the show. I just didn't think it was this episode. What a what a great position for Gorilla Grodd to. I'm going to, you know, manipulate a further conflict in freaking Vietnam and I'm going to make myself Marlon Brando from Apocalypse Now. <laughs> uh, that was so good. <laughs> I'm like, man, the, and like the actors even knew that where it's like, oh, you know, we thought 
it was Rambo, but now we're in Apocalypse Now. <laughs> and I'm like, I, this is why Legend Season 3 is great, because the characters have now become, like, super aware. Yeah, yeah. Where before they weren't, now they're all incredibly super aware. But yeah, those were those were all pretty solid, and it's this week we get our Crisis on Earth X starting as well, right? Uh, yeah, in starting in Supergirl. Looks pretty good. Yeah, it does look interesting. I'm all about it. I, I was surprised, too, although I shouldn't be surprised, where it's like, oh, hey, the backbone of this big TV crossover event is going to be The Flash's wedding, and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, it, it, but it looks pretty good. Did you see the poster that came out? They, they actually have... um. Uh, Metallo in, in it as well, and he looks exactly like Comic Metallo, like a Terminator with a with a Kryptonite heart. Nice. See, I think I think this is going to be really good because I remember we weren't so hot on the Dominators one; like it was fine, but it really dipped in the middle around the Arrow episode. Yep. It kind of got hijacked by the fact that that Arrow episode was also an anniversary episode for Arrow. So mm-hmm. God help you if, like us, you don't watch Arrow or don't give a shit. mm Hmm. It just kind of derailed the whole thing. But uh, yeah, I, I have high hopes for Earth-X, especially now that Legends has gotten so much better. I'm totally stoked for it to be basically the final part. Yeah, oh, it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I, I'm totally on board for this one, and we'll give our thoughts on that next week, probably. Mm-hmm. Speaking of TV, freaking Runaway started, too, and it's not getting, like, any press or anyone really talking about it because it came out around the same time as Justice League and The Punisher. But... They sh- it should be because I watched the first three episodes and it's it's really good. Is it? I it's it's nicely it. nicely paced. That's good. I mean, I want it to do good because I want more Marvel shows on Hulu. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really really good. When what's Cloak and Dagger coming out on? That's not on Hulu, is it? No, that's Freeform, which is like a weird okay. Christiany network. Which I'm even <laughs> more excited to see how the hell they're going to tackle a superhero <laughs> show on a weird like Christian network. Yeah, so especially Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. Hey, kids, and the real power was Jesus all along. That's yeah, the real they, superpower. They got it from cocaine. <laughs> hey, kids, did you know Jesus was the original Amazing Man? <laughs> I think that's Amazing Spider-Man there, Padre. No, 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 just Amazing Man. <laughs> he was an Omega-level mutant. He had all the powers. <laughs> some say he was a mary sue character but i say that's bullshit <laughs> personally i'm a fan of post-crisis jesus myself <laughs> <laughs> they really they really nerfed his powers after flashpoint that son of god <laughs> <laughs> and the costume i did not like post-crisis jesus's costume <laughs> Had too many lines in it and looked like armor. <laughs> I know, right? It's like he's the son of God. He's basically immortal. Only the spear of destiny can pierce him. Why does he need armored robes? <laughs> Was dumb. Man, can you can you tell I went to Catholic school? Can you tell that they hit me with the theology stick once or twice? <laughs> uh, and moving on from that possibly sacrilegious little aside, uh, we have some X-Men news. Haven't talked about this in a bit, but apparently in the new upcoming X-Men movie, Dark Phoenix, they will kill off a major character. It'll be Mystique. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence wants out, so yeah, probably. Yeah, it, it'll, it'll have to be her. It can't be anyone else. Won't that fuck up the timeline, though, or do they just not care about the timeline? Oh, I don't, I don't think they care anymore. I don't, 
these new movies are like the beginning of their new timeline. It's true. I like they said we'll kill off a major character. I'm like, is anyone a major character in these films who's not Jennifer Lawrence, Fassbender, or Professor X? Yeah, and they can't kill off Professor X or Magneto. No. I was going to say, will they kill off, like, uh, what is it, Jean Grey? Will that be their cop? I was like, well, we told you we'd kill off a major character, and by the end, she's not here anymore. Yeah, well, yeah, well, maybe maybe it's like one of those, like, semantics things where it's like the Dark Venus take, takes over Jean's body and says, oh, we killed her off. See, was, guys, we did it. It was a spiritual death, you have to understand. Yeah. yeah. She died in spirit, and she wasn't around anymore. Which actually, you know, that would seem like a stupid idea now to kill her off in this movie when they're bringing Phoenix back in the comics. Yeah, yeah. And let's face it, probably the only reason they're bringing Phoenix back in the comics now is to coincide with this movie, even though the two studios don't get along. Yeah, that, that's all that they're doing. It's so weird with the X-Men where it's like, you know, look, we don't like it because another studio owns it and we're going to go out of our way to make sure we never move the universe past a certain point. But also, we want to be familiar enough to new comic readers, so let's have an old Wolverine in time for Logan, and let's have the Phoenix come back in time for this. Yeah, and now that the old Logan's dead, let's have the original one come back for maybe when a new actor starts playing him. Yeah, you know, we're, we're future-proofing it is what we're doing, Matt. I'm sure they'll have to get someone new to play him at some point. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Dark Phoenix could be good, could be bad. I was not a fan of Apocalypse, but it feels like every other X-Men movie is the good one now. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a very weird series. It is, because, you know, it's like, even though I wasn't on board with the last one, the fact that they play so fast and loose with continuity and tone and everything, they could throw that all out the window and we could be, like, in a year's time being like, man, Dark Phoenix was actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe if some of that Logan or Deadpool or uh, Gifted Mojo starts rubbing off on it, maybe. They they could legends it. They could. They really could, where it becomes totally self-aware and all the young mutants are like, man, doesn't it feel like we never get involved in anything? Doesn't it feel like <laughs> all the not screen time keeps getting stolen from us? <laughs> you know what, Professor X? We're tired of your bullshit. We're not going to let you put us in the corner anymore. You know, we're the future of the X-Men fr school, not franchise. I don't know what that is. We're the future, and we're taking over. Which one comes first, Dark Phoenix or New Mutants? Uh, well, we got the trailer for New Mutants, so I'm guessing New Mutants comes first. Okay, yeah, so that one might be good, and New Mutants might be crap, or it might be the other way around. It could be. Then again, it seems like the spinoffs to the X-Men stuff have been really good recently, like Logan, like Gifted, like Deadpool, but it's the main yeah. series that they can't seem to get right. Oh, even even Legion. You know, I'll throw Legion in there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a weird thing that, like, what should be the A flagship series isn't hitting it, but all the side stuff is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it goes to show us that, you know, there's still life in this franchise and these characters and you know they're not quite beating a dead horse yet yeah yet <laughs> yes yeah the emphasis on yet uh now moving on from here we have another piece of news kind of a sad piece of news too but something worth talking about uh dc rebirth ever since it started it's been a runaway success both critically and financially i don't think i'm telling tales out of school saying that just recently they had to cancel their first book it was superwoman which was surprising. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I, I think that story's coming to an end anyway. I've been reading it, and it seems like it's coming to a conclusion. It had run its course. It was interesting. They did a nice little swerve in the beginning by making us think it was going to be about one character, but it was actually about yep. the other. Yeah, I like that. That was nice. That was clever. It got to add to the overall mosaic that is the new Superman family of books where they were actually important and prominent again. But uh, this week, we find out that there's actually going to be a second casualty now, only the second. And again, I don't think it's going to blow anyone's mind when I say it's Blue Beetle. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the fourth or fifth time Blue Beetle's been canceled now. <laughs> I don't think, like, people say they're interested in him, but... You know, his comic wouldn't be cancelled if they were. <laughs> people people really like that first Keith Geffen one. That's the one I like. It's the one I fell in love with. And it's the one they just can't seem to recapture no matter how hard <laughs> they try. <laughs> the fact is people don't want a new Blue Beetle. They just want a continuation of that. But they're not giving us a continuation of that, though. They keep trying to reinvent the wheel like they did in New 52. Where it's like, well, we'll retell that story, but a little differently. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I, yeah, they probably don't know what to do with the character. Well, they don't, because this new Blue Beetle, it's like, hey, did we say that he was powered by aliens and it was all science fiction and everything? Well, our space and our science fiction is pretty much taken over by Green Lantern at the moment, but we don't have a lot of magic books, so maybe we actually do a fun little retcon and we take stuff back to the Silver Age and say that Blue Beetle is powered by magic again, so that way he can hang out with Ted Kord and he can hang out with uh, Dr. Fate and everything. Would you like that? Apparently you didn't yeah. like it enough. No, that and that was like one of the threads in the DC re, uh, Rebirth special, and yes. it didn't really go anywhere. Well, no. It kind of did with, with Dr. Fate showing about like the proper Dr. Fate mm. and everything, but... That, that's pretty much about it. I'm sure there'll be someone in the comments that has read every issue oh, sure. a million times will correct us, but yeah, which I didn't seem like it went to. anywhere important. No, and that's such a shame too, and much much like I said, like I, I was a fan of the old Blue Beetle. I picked up that first issue, and I'm like, oh, oh, you're not really continuing what I like. Again, you're, you're kind of reinventing the wheel over here, and you're also making it impenetrable for new readers, because Keith Gevin's also like, but you know who all these characters are, right? So I don't have to reintroduce any of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's my baby, and that's the thing, and I'll just keep running with it, and assume you know what's up. And I'm like, no, you really can't assume we know what's up. They kind of, It's one of those cases where they tried to please everybody and ended up pleasing nobody. Yeah. Which is really sad, because I like Jaime as a character. I thought he was awesome on Young Justice. I think he's awesome in Injustice and other places that he shows up. It's sad he can't keep a book. Yeah, he's, he's a really cool character. He is. Again, I keep saying, they need to make a book out of a bunch of characters who can't sell books on their own, so you need Static <laughs> and Blue Beetle and Martian Manhunter and Shazam and, like, Batwing and Talon all together on a team, and they'll be, like, you know, <laughs> the unsellables. <laughs> They'll be the guys who can't hold up a book on their own. You know, heck, throw throw my boy Jonah Hex in there, too. I know it's true. <laughs> <laughs> throw him in there, too, and just like, you know, or call them the cult or something, because, hey, it's just a bunch of cult characters. <laughs> Get Commandy at Earth's End in there. Who, who who are some cultish female characters who can never hold a book for very long? Um, uh, I guess Superwoman oh, now. 
yeah, 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 get Superwoman. Um, get Nubia, the Wonder Woman. Oh yeah, Nubia is cool. Okay, great concept, but can't hold up a book on her own. <laughs> I only remember her because she was in the most, most recent Injustice Two arc. Oh, holy shit, was she? Man, Injustice is going deep. They're doing deep cuts now. They, they are. <laughs> no wonder that shit's so popular. Where it's like, hey, hey, is this your first comic? Have you never like read this stuff before? Guess what? Here, let's let's introduce you to some crazy shit. <laughs> Here's the African Wonder Woman Nubia. No, it's a real thing. Go read about it on the wikis. It's true. Uh, but yeah, that's Blue Beetle. Poor Blue Beetle. Poor 40 out on the curb for him. He had a chance. Uh, How can Blue Beetle go to the Dark Universe? Can he like get another book and a new imprint or like have him join one of those teams? That'd be pretty cool. Can he join the Terrifics? Because again, the Terrifics similarly made up of characters everyone likes but who can't hold a book metamorpho mr terrific uh plastic man phantom yeah, that'd, girl that'd be pretty cool that's fine have him be the herbie the robot have him join the team <laughs> he could be the guy who sits in the chair exactly he can be the chair guy exactly he's like oh well i've hooked my uh scarab up to your computer system and now i can give you tactical advice from here yeah, but 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 Blue Beetle, I thought the scarab was magical. It, it's not anymore. <laughs> it's not. We changed it. It keeps going back and forth. <laughs> Turns out the conspiracy we thought to make me think it was alien technology when it was secretly magic was itself an even bigger conspiracy by even bigger <laughs> aliens to make me not think it was alien technology. <laughs> it's a Tuesday, so on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays, it's 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 technologically. Every other day, it's magical. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll split the difference and be like, nah, there was actually two scarabs, one that was magic and one that was alien technology, and you thought you had one, but you actually had the other. <laughs> just just to really convolute the Blue Beetle history, which is already kind of <laughs> complex as it is, because it's like, well, you had three from three different eras, and they were all powered by different stuff. <laughs> the, yeah, that'll be the thing. Eventually, Jaime will be just like Ted Cord and be like, oh, I don't even have a scarab anymore. Now I just build stuff. <laughs> Hey, this is fitting all this Blue Beetle talk, because obviously I think a lot of people remember his uh, Charleston counterpart and his Watchmen counterpart just as well. So, hey, we're going to be talking about that when we talk about Doomsday Clock. Ooh, are we ever? We are. And, you know, we're only one new story, basically, from getting there, because the next thing we're going to talk about, and I can't believe we didn't talk about this last week, but uh, Harley Quinn is going to be getting her own animated series on that upcoming DC Digital app doesn't surprise me doesn't not only does it not surprise me i'm shocked it didn't happen sooner well it probably was going to but they had to find out what they were going to do with it or something i guess yeah like i think paul dini said back in the day that he had kicked around the idea that like he had sent a spec script to wb back like after she got super popular on batman the animated series and they're like oh we want more mm-hmm uh, my big question is if they're doing one. I know they were floating around the idea that maybe Margot Robbie would actually be involved in this and like it's part of a bigger multimedia push for Harley, so they want her to be the voice and everything. Uh, I would really hope that, uh, or was or I would not hope, but I would be interested who they're going to get to voice her because there's been like several different Harleys now. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe bring back Eileen Stalkin. I think she's retired is the problem. I think she's like, I'm yeah. too old now. Which yeah. is a crying shame because it's like you never forget your first, and she's always been so good. Yeah, who who, who voiced her in um, uh, Injustice Two? Uh, 
Tara Strong, I'm pretty sure. Tara Strong. Maybe bring back her. Tara Strong. It's probably going to be Tara Strong because she holds down basically every role she does like that. It's gotten to the point now where we've probably heard Tara Strong as Harley almost as much as we've heard Arlene Sorkin from across the video games and cartoons and everything else. Yeah, that's true. My uh, my one problem with Tara Strong, and I think I mentioned this on Twitter once or twice. Actually, no, I think I've been afraid to mention it on Twitter because I was afraid she would find it. <laughs> it's that as much as I love Tara Strong, and don't get me wrong, I do. She's Canadian like me. She's a national treasure and just a universal treasure. If you've been watching uh, Justice League Action, and you should because it's really funny and really well done, and it's a shame that got canceled. But in the last couple episodes where Harley has appeared... It's clear Tara Strong just doesn't give a fuck anymore in trying to make Harley sound like Arlene Sorkin at all. (laughs) Really? Yeah, in the last couple episodes, Harley has just sounded like Bubbles. And I'm like, oh, you've reverted to your Powerpuff Girls voice, huh? You just just didn't care anymore and no one was willing to check you on it. (laughs) That's unfortunate because it's like early on, like you go back to like Arkham City and it's it's very difficult to tell the difference between mm-hmm. Tara Strong and Arlene Sorkin. She's, like, trying really hard to capture yep. that voice. But it's like she's just gotten, like, a little lazier and lazier as time has gone on. <laughs> and now we just have one where it feels like she's not trying. Uh, credit where credit is due. I quite enjoyed uh, Hayden Welch from, uh, what is it, uh, Assault on Arkham. Oh, is that who you voiced the, in there? That was Hayden Welch. I thought she actually did a pretty good job. It was, it wasn't quite an impression, but it was kind of like if this character was sort of realish, she might sound like this. Yeah, yeah, that that was a really good one. It is much better than that one we got in that uh mm. Batman and Harley Quinn movie. Yeah, with the Big Bang Theory lady. Yeah, that that one was grating. Oh, terrible. That one was especially grating because it's like, wait, aren't, aren't you like? from the part of the world that like the harley voice is riffing on and you still make it sound terrible yeah you do an impression of your own voice and it sounds really weird yeah like a weird flanderized fran dresher where it's like oh god it hurts and it's grating (laughs) now i I wonder too for the harley quinn show are they going to go serious are they going to go full comedic i know there's supposed to be a deadpool show coming out probably around the same time from amc is the harley show going to be adult are they going to try and skew for all ages i wonder they'll probably skew for all ages then they can put it on cartoon network in syndication i guess just bulk that's that's a good question about this dc digital app where it's like will you ever see these shows anywhere else or will they forever live on this app because we're getting this and we're getting young justice they can't just live on the app they'll die out really quickly (laughs) that does kind of seem to be the thing does it unless you're netflix and even then yeah, well, that's the thing, like, Netflix has a lot to offer, but what's the DC app got? Uh, that and, like, a Titan show, maybe. And, and Young Justice, and that's it. Although, I do yeah. like the idea that they are trying new, different, experimental content. I hope we will end up seeing some shows and some series on there that we wouldn't see on television. I would like, and I, I was actually talking with people about it, this, I would like a workplace... Not the office sort of thing, but mm. think Aaron Sorkin's newsroom, mm. but with the Daily Planet. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. It'd be like Powers, but not shitty. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like Powers, but like serious. And like, you know, what would it actually be like being a regular everyday Joe in a world filled with superheroes? Yeah. 
Hell, if, if Matt gets his Daily Planet show, I want an actual GCPD series. Not Gotham. <laughs> I want, like, real actual GCPD the way it was supposed to be. It's a kind of, like, Law and Order-ish sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, like, Law and Order, like, you know, not even Law and Order, because there wasn't even so much of, like, an emphasis on solving crimes in Gotham Central. It was more like NYPD Blue, like, the lives of the cops and everything, and, like, what their home lives were like and everything. Okay, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And, hey, you know, here's the thing. You could make it about Renee Montoya and Crispus Allen, because, like, again, I don't I don't watch Gotham. They showed up in the first season, and then never again did they just abandon them, because if so, that could be their show. <laughs> they went off to a better show. <laughs> they went off to... I'd be fine with that. Remember that Gotham season one? It's like, hey, it's Renee Montoya and Crispus Allen, you know, the characters from Gotham Central that you would actually want to follow. Yeah, they're sub-characters that appeared for a couple of episodes. I I like, like, in the term, like, in cop show terms, they turn them into the other team, because, like, in every cop show and movie, there's always the other team of cops. Yeah, the the rivals. Yeah, yeah, how hilarious is that? They become the rival other team in what was supposed to be their story. (laughs) (laughs) That's so hilarious. But yeah, everyone, that's, uh... That's Harley talk, everyone. Overall, pretty positive about it. I'll be interested to see where it goes. I mean, I'm just such a fan sucker for animation. I'll, I'll watch anything. I'll give anything a try once or twice. Shit, I watched uh, that The Jellies show from, uh, what is it, uh, that rapper turned cartoonist for Adult Swim just recently. <laughs> that's that's like, a, that's like a job resume you never hear. I'm a rapper turned cartoonist. I'm a rapper turned cartoonist. Oh, God. He, he's not Chance the Rapper. Chance uh, Tyler the Creator, that's the one. Oh yeah, okay. It's his new show. He uh, he won me over super big because he had a New York Comic Con panel where he talked about like all the shows with great black protagonists that got canceled before their time. So he talked about Static Shock. He talked about Fillmore. He talked about all these shows. I'm like, yeah, those shows were great. They did get canceled before their time. And he's like, yeah, and I'm going to make my own show. And Cornell Jelly, he's he's not going to be rapping. He's not going to be riding a skateboard. No, he's not going to have his hat on backwards. He's going to be a goober, and you're going to love him. <laughs> and indeed, he is a goober, and he's voiced by Phil Lamar. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they released, like, the first five episodes of it. I didn't know if I thought it was hilarious, but it shows potential. Oh, that's cool. That's how you feel Lamar's becoming a uh, regular on um, uh, Supergirl. Really? Yeah, he's playing... Um, uh, who's he playing? Uh, John Jones' dad. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. That's he, he, had a, he, he had some really cool scenes in the last episode where he, he's been he's been waiting to go to the toilet for three weeks. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> He doesn't, doesn't know who to ask or where it is because he's so not used to Earth technology. That's funny. That's good for Phil Lamar, too, especially because it's like, yeah, this, this guy was the voice of Green Lantern in the Justice League cartoon and like a million other things. That's great that he gets to do live action because he's a live action actor. Yeah comedian too people forget phil lamar before he took over the world of voice acting and everything he was on mad tv for years mm-hmm. during like the best tenure of that show shit he's the guy who gets shot in the head in pulp fiction <laughs> Spo- oh spoiler for pulp fiction everyone i know it's almost like a 30 year old movie but spoiler for pulp fiction <laughs> if you see phil lamar don't get excited he's not in it too long <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I, I think with spoiling Pulp Fiction, everyone, we get to the main event 
of the show this week, which is, of course, uh, what we read this week. And it was a big old week held down mainly by the Doomsday Clock. Matt, what did you think of the Doomsday Clock? Oh, oh, Doomsday Clock, I tell you, it was pretty good. I, I picked up a physical issue, and I don't know whether you've seen the physical issues, but they're really nice. They're, they like, do. got a nice, th- nice thick cover, uh, so it doesn't feel like a normal comic book papery sort of thing it it everything looks really nice in it uh, you get a cool like it's like a newspaper thing at the end of it which I is really that, cool yeah. uh but yeah that the the book was surprisingly restrained very uh for a first issue but we still got loads and loads of information we did it's one of those things where going into it, I'm like, I have no idea what Doomsday Clock is supposed to be, what it's going to be. And indeed, they played it very close to the chest when it was coming out, you know. Even the deadlines they had and, you know, like the embargoes where, you know, like friggin' uh, Rich Johnson of Bleeding Cool didn't spoil it two weeks out. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose he was pr- probably pretty mad at that. <laughs> I'm sure he was, but yeah. To think that when I opened this up, I didn't know what I was expecting, but I really wasn't expecting, hey, here's just a straight-up sequel to Watchmen. Here's what would have happened a decade after the events of Watchmen. Yeah, and it's it's pretty bleak what happens. (laughs) It's bleak, but it's also incredibly believable. It's basically everything that Dr. Manhattan told Ozymandias turns out to be true when he's like, look, you built your piece on a lie. Yeah, everyone's super happy and buddy-buddy now, but nothing lasts forever, Adrian. Nothing lasts forever. Yeah, and that that piece does break down in 1992? Yep. 91? It was 92, yeah. Yeah, that on the date of the death of Superman. Which is a really clever... That's such a Jeff Johns touch is what that is. (laughs) The comic even came out on the day, on the anniversary of the death of Superman. Because again, in the history of the Watchmen, instead of action comics coming out and becoming a big deal, real superheroes came out and became a big deal in the history of the Watchmen. Yep. So to kind of turn that to be like, oh, well, the day Hope died in the DC Universe, the day that Superman died, obviously that's the day the peace comes unfurled. <laughs> yep, yep, and... Yeah, it was pretty good. We get introduced to Rorschach again, who uh, I know people went crazy when we got that little preview with him in it. Uh-huh. Uh, but and we we they quickly they quickly say that no, this isn't Walter Kovacs. This is someone else. This is an African American. Yes, Rorschach. A Rorschach who's not nearly as mean or psychotic as the old Rorschach mm-hmm. was. This guy actually does bargaining and is actually willing to meet people halfway. He does that, but then later on in the issue, Ozymandias says that he might be a little bit more violent than Rorschach. He doesn't have those those morals that Rorschach had, those kind of shaky morals that, that he had. Which is interesting, and I'm dying to know more about. Yep. Uh, something a fan had to point out for me, I totally didn't catch this. The president in 1992 who managed to sweep into office on an anti-superhero, anti-Ozymandias uh, ticket, his name is President Redford. As in Robert Redford, as in the evil, uh, what is it, political guy from Captain America Winter Soldier. Oh my god, President Hydra. (laughs) (laughs) I totally didn't put that together. I'm like, oh my god, you're right, President Redford, as in President Robert Redford. That's really smart. (laughs) That's a really good joke. Which again, hey, 
lot of political commentary going on in this issue, much like the original Watchmen had a lot of political commentary going in on it. Fittingly, too, in both stories, Russia is acting a fool, and the threat of nuclear war is higher now than it ever was. Yeah, much like how it is in real life. Yeah, it's crazy to see all the pulled from the headline shit they're doing. It's like, wow, this alternate 1992 might as well just be 2017. <laughs> and yet, weirdly still, all the same, you know, crybabies who complain when, you know, Marvel did Secret Empire and whenever they do rip from the headline story. No one was crying about this. You notice that? Isn't no. that weird? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they even turned a hero who used to be a white guy into a black guy and all those people weren't complaining. No, no. And and I, I saw some people complain mainly because it's, it's not Marvel Shack, you know, it's not not, not going to have Walter Kovacs beating up Superman or Batman or something. But, but um, it wasn't twinged with that very off-putting, clear racism that's normally yeah, there. Yeah. That's funny. It's almost like people were just waiting to dogpile on Marvel for something. It, it's yeah. great, too, that, you know, literally this whole issue is a Watchmen story. It only goes into the DC universe right at the very end. And I, I was actually thinking about this. I hope they do this with whereas like the first issue is all Watchmen leads into DC, so the next issue will be DC, which leads into Watchmen, and then you know every you know issues one, three, five will be Watchmen, and issues two, four, six will be DC, and so on and so forth. Clever. That'd be pretty cool. They also potentially seek to answer a question in this issue that you and I here at the Comic Multiverse have been going on about forever, and that is, hey, why if they put everything in Superman's life back, if they made him a good guy again, if they made him the older version everyone loved and remembered, why did they never bring back his parents? They seek Because God has a plan. Because <laughs> God has a plan, and they seek to imply in this issue that the reason the DC Universe got so dark and moody for so long in the New 52 and why everyone was miserable, you can relate that all back to the night the Kents died, and they say make a very strong point of saying the Kents died because Dr. Manhattan willed it so. Yeah, I actually had a worry, whereas when, when we were seeing that, I'm thinking, oh God, because that... This, that was uh, after the Rorschach breaks, uh, Marionette and Mime. I'm blanking on the guys, Mime out of prison, who are very similar to Punch and Julie they are. from the Batman run. Um, very, very similar. Um, well, they're their Charleston counterparts. Oh, are they? Yes, they're there. Much oh, like okay. Blue Beetle is Night Owl's Charleston counterpart, uh, Marionette and Mime were Charleston characters. Well, maybe that's that explains why on Punch's chest in the Batman thing, he has a, a tattoo of Manhattan, of Ozymandias's cat dog thing. Interesting. Yeah, so it, w what I was really worried about when they said they were going to go out to the galaxy, find him, and it cuts to the, the Kents dying, I was thinking, oh, God, is like, Rorschach gonna get out of that truck that just ran into him <laughs> oh no he did it <laughs> or, or is it Ozymandias behind or something but no he's not <laughs> wouldn't that be fun it was me Superman I, I killed because I, I, I could see something like that happening if it was handled by someone not like Jeff Johns exactly I'm glad you mentioned that too there are so many places in this story and that was one of them where they could have fucked up everything in issue one where they could have fallen down a pit they could have tripped and stumbled but they don't they play it very subtle they do and it works so well i'm, I'm glad you mentioned mime too i like mime he's quite funny <laughs> he's pretty cool and it's pretty obvious he's probably going to be coming the third joker they seek to imply that quite heavily he has many joker ass ticks to him 
they imply that, but they also imply that maybe even Adrian might as well. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there, a lot of stuff to unpack. The, the bit that made me laugh, and I'm glad I can laugh at a story like this that's so serious and dealing with so many heady themes, where it's like, oh, mine won't leave until he gets his weapons. They're very special weapons. They open <laughs> up the evidence locker. There's nothing there. Hey, because he's a mime. <laughs> that's good. That's good shit. Uh, yeah, that is pretty good. But yeah, uh, so like Ozymandias is back. He has brain cancer uh, as sort of like a, a, a payback for what he's been doing to the world. He got it probably from being around all the radiation that both John and his trap yep. for John put out. Um, and yeah, he's going to be, he seems to imply he's going to go out of the galaxy somehow. And I, I theorize that maybe to get to the DC universe, they're probably going to go through the microverse, mm. which which we learned in Justice League of America. That's how Manhattan got into the DC universe. He punched a hole in the microverse. Interesting. You know what's even funny? So they could, could be following him into it. We, uh, we did our brief little summary of, like, you know, important things leading up to Doomsday Clock. Someone actually mentioned something that I totally missed, but supposedly uh, in that Batman Beyond comic I hated so much where it's like, you know, Tim Drake from the futures and future went even further in the future and became the batman beyond and everything there uh you know how they got rid of him apparently how big blue light came down and took him away oh god (laughs) so he was even fucking around with batman beyond which is interesting it's like wow he's really got a boner out for tim drake doesn't he and he has a real boner out for putting things back the way they're supposed to be Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, well, I almost wish I read that now, because that's actually kind of interesting. Yeah, that that does seem very interesting. I'm like, that's actually kind of compelling, and also further strengthens the idea of, like, why is Tim Drake so important? Yeah, yeah. Because Tim Drake can apparently exist o- omnipresently in past, present, and future. <laughs> Tim Drake breaks the rules of time, and Dr. Manhattan doesn't like that. <laughs> only I am allowed to see uh, only I'm allowed to see all things at once <laughs> uh, what are some other fun things about it? I mean you know, it was really just kind of a straightforward issue all things considered but it was like really good in how straightforward it was yeah it, it didn't uh, bog down with any like time travel mm. multi-universal stuff or anything it just kind of put it you know Rorschach breaks these guys out of prison because they need Marionette's help to go find John um and then cut to superman having a nightmare i appreciate too that john's is writing is reminiscent of alan moore in the old watchman but not beholden to it no it's all new and it, i think it's because most of these characters are new yeah. they're not they're not alan moore creations except for ozamandeus he's like that the only helps. watchman character that we've had so far that, that has been talking helps a lot yeah I mean, Rorschach still speaks in his sentence fragments, but that's, like, more of a tick than anything. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Doomsday Clock, solid. Don't know really what else to say about it besides that, you know, it's solid. Yeah, and and the way the issue ends, you don't know where it's going to go from here. No, no, like, you really What's going to happen? It could go anywhere, and the fact that, you know, we're basically going to be reading this one for the next year, because this is, like, issue one of twelve. Yeah, I think it's a monthly series, so the next issue comes out, I guess, December. Oh, holy shit. Well, we'll be ready for that one, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess, what else did we read this week of No? Because there were some other fairly big books as well. Uh, Oz Effect got a pre- uh, 
prologue in uh, Action Comics 992. It sure did. It's a nice little breather issue and also one that goes about setting up what, uh, what is it, what the next big arc is going to be for Superman. Yeah, yeah, I like that. we got a Superman who, he, he kind of refuses to believe what he's been seeing. It's an interesting take on Superman. You never usually see Superman this just stubborn and this just unable to accept anything. Yeah, and, and it kind of makes sense because this is his father. This is the, the guy he's wearing the symbol for, the the House of L symbol on his chest and everything. And, and to see the guy and see him not be his all, all he's cracked up to be and be mm. kind of a villain. A guy uh, for whom like, he's built his whole moral code on the back of the only person yeah. more important would be Pa Kent. Yeah, and it, that kind of calls that moral code and like who he is as a person into question mm. and, and who his son is into question yeah it's am i living a lie will i screw up my son the way my dad screwed me up clearly yeah that that was pretty cool and uh, he's going trying to find out what exactly is going on on krypton whether his father's story is true and that takes him back in time millions of years to krypton's destruction via the flash's cosmic treadmill like oh good they didn't forget about this yeah, although it is just left in, like, a room in the watchtower. <laughs> well, <laughs> just I mean, sitting in a room. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Barry, his apartment's small. He can't have a whole full treadmill in it. <laughs> Be afraid Iris or someone would try and run on it. No, that's my cosmic treadmill. <laughs> yeah, but that, that, that means uh, Booster Gold shows up to try and help. Because any DC time travel story worth its salt, of course, <laughs> needs Booster Gold in it. Of course, of course, to try and not mess up, even though he will probably mess up. In his first DC Rebirth appearance booster golds, which I'm actually super excited to see how they, uh, where they take him. That looks really, it looks really fun. I've seen some of the solicitations for the next couple of issues, and it looks, I think this one goes all the way up to issue 1000, nice. like this story. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would have to, especially this version of Booster Gold I want to see because this is the book Dan Jurgens writes and like Jurgens was writing Booster Gold back in the day. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm wondering what, what version it is. Yeah, it'll be really, really interesting. Another thing to bring it back to the dad stuff we were talking about, Batman shows up this issue and they actually do some nice little connective tissue to Doomsday Clock where Batman says, hey, I know what you're going through, fighting a slightly evil, twisted version of your father. The same thing happened to me in the button. In fact, I think someone out there is fucking with us. Yeah, yeah, they kind of realize. And same with, like, when they when they check that Green Lantern footage, they, they kind of figure out that someone's kind of fucking with time a little bit. Yeah, around them, which it's so great where he's like, you know, play back the footage. Is this like a, is this a digital simulation of Krypton exploding? Nah, man, it's actual video video footage. <laughs> yeah, from like Toma Ray's ring or something. I'm surprised Superman's not like, man, Toma Ray, he really dropped the ball, didn't he? Yeah, well, what could he actually do? <laughs> I know, right? It's like, that's always the joke where it's like, man, you know, if the Green Lanterns care, they'd save the Kryptonians. But at the same time, <laughs> it's like, how do you stop a whole planet from blowing up? <laughs> have you seen the dc universe planets blow up all the time we can't be everywhere at once <laughs> it's a big sector <laughs> and for them to be like oh someone corrupted the video footage and i'm like oh geez did uh salak or salak whatever not upgrade to the newest version of norton <laughs> for the green someone hacked someone hacked them <laughs> someone used their elite hacks or skills to break into the green lantern archives <laughs> Oh no, we've been rickrolled, Hal. What do we do? <laughs> We're not used to memes this dank. 
by God, it's those stupid meme lanterns out there. <laughs> in dankest day, in dankest night. Surprised no one's tried to write that one yet. But yeah, that was a uh, that was solid. I'm definitely totally up for a time traveling Superman adventure. Yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be a load of fun. Yeah, don't know what else to say. Superman has been killing it, and that uh, action, especially the last little bit, has just been killing it. Yeah. Now, what else did I read this week? Uh, had some Superman. I had... Oh, I mean, I guess we might as well go and talk about Detective Comics, because, I mean, that's its sister book, essentially, and it's also having a bit of a breather issue. Tim's back. He's back in the fold now. Yeah, he's back. He's he's uh, revealed himself back to um, Stephanie. Yes. He's very happy he's back and kind of, sort of, back on the team. Yeah, in a way, they're they're playing with some interesting ideas there where he's kind of lying to her to get her back in Batman's good graces even though she's basically over the superhero life and kind of over Batman in a way. Yeah, over the way he's going about his war on crime and I I guess she she thinks that like maybe Tim can fix that with that uh Gotham Knights protocol he has. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, he in he's kind of lying to her because he's kind of made his mind up that he wants to be batman but not the batman from the future that he had he just fought it's a smart bit of writing where tim's like look if the future can't be changed in any meaningful way if i'm going to be batman i at least want to mold and be master of my own destiny i'm now going to throw myself 100 percent in trying to become batman so we can stop this dark future from happening yeah and try and fix fix the um the mistakes that my future self made it's because i know because he knows them now exactly it's very clever it's a very clever concept yeah it also gives him something to work forward to like all the other former robins and all the other books have something to work forward to tim never did now he does Mm -hmm. which i think is really really slick and really cool uh also too uh same book they finally replaced the mayor i think they killed like mayor hamilton hill all the way back in like the first arc of this detective comic so i like that they finally replaced the mayor now <laughs> yeah so like in that time the mayor's office just been sitting there the, the government's been in disarray <laughs> it's just been hanging open this whole time they've had chimps at typewriters <laughs> They've just been, you know, what is it, throwing darts at a board, and that'll be the new Gotham City policy until they can find a replacement mayor. (laughs) And we have a new guy now, Atkins, who's a former Gotham cop who's not against the idea of working with Batman. He just hates the new, more militarized, more proactive Bat family that's taking place now. And the the fact that they have known criminals on their team like Clayface. And children. That's another thing. (laughs) Yeah. Children and criminals, that's that's a bad mix. You don't you don't want to have those together. <laughs> Not when you're trying to send a message that you're the good guy. Look, my child supervillain army will help everyone, I promise. <laughs> They're useful. Their little fingers are good for making making the bombs. Good good for thieving is what it is. <laughs> Batman, why do you use so many children? I know they're small and they can get into tight places. They're good for vigilanteing. <laughs> I dress them in bright, garish color so they can draw fire from me. <laughs> see, I see them less as human beings and more as meat shields is the thing. <laughs> and if I lose one, that's fine. There's a whole bunch of orphans out there who would love to be Robin. 
<laughs> oh no wait did i say that out loud crap i'm only supposed to think those things yeah i'll just leave my batmobile here with no wheel on and, and, and the will come along <laughs> next punk who tries to steal my tire or car stereo <laughs> hey you want to be robin <laughs> he's got the box with the stick and string waiting for it <laughs> oh any minute now any minute now <laughs> got a live one <laughs> and duke's like geez that's how he got me <laughs> was just walking around trying to cure my Joker Venom parents and before I knew it I was in the box <laughs> that's how it works uh, this issue was fun too because it's probably like the coolest thing Killer Moth has ever done yeah 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 Killer I guess Moth. so <laughs> Killer Moth gets a genius idea where it's like well hey if they're beating on all the traditional organized crime families in Gotham City if I get together a team of supervillains, I can you know run a protection operation where I pay the criminal or the criminals pay me to keep Batman busy isn't that super smart <laughs> yeah. no not really it, it fails immediately it does fail but tim drake says man this is the smartest thing killer moth has ever done if he had gotten some a-list villains on his team this might have worked he, he probably stole the idea of like a forum or something oh probably i love his team where it's like Ooh, who who will be this new team to strike fear into the hearts of man uh well killer moth's your leader Ooh, we also got uh firefly which one i don't know one of them uh, the rat catcher. Man, the rat catcher always shows up to these things. It's like he's yeah, lonely. He's lonely. <laughs> he's lonely. And Solomon Grundy. Oh, no, Zaz. Zaz is on the team. Yeah, yeah. And Solomon Grundy, who turns out to be Clayface. Just Clayface in disguise. What a what a great team there. Uh, uh, even if it was the real Grundy. Oh, a muscle-bound weirdo who doesn't take orders from anyone and can only speak in nursery rhymes. And, oh, yeah, an actual serial killer. Yeah, what, a, what an excellent <laughs> team you put together, Fire or a friggin' Killer Moth. Hey, hey, Craigslist, you know, there, there was no one on Craigslist. <laughs> that's, These that's, are the only people that answered. That's what the team was. It was just a back pages hookup. It wasn't, it's what it was. 35-year-old Caucasian supervillain looking for other like-minded supervillains for fun time. <laughs> uh, Firefly comes there. It's like, I, I thought we were going to have a big orgy. Well, do you mean there's, there's going to be no orgy? Seriously? <laughs> this is bullshit. I'm going to delete that app. <laughs> that's that's where he recruited all these villains from he recruited them from grinder <laughs> the super villain equivalent of grinder whatever that would be <laughs> uh but yeah detective comics was fun i like this one tim drake in general is getting a lot of play in all the books isn't he matt yeah he is i think he was also in like um teen titans this week or something he was. i know because i just read that book before we started yeah, he, he was like going to reveal himself to the to the Titans that he's alive again. Yeah, his dearest and closest friends and Alfred's like, Sue, you going to tell him you're alive yet? In time. Yeah, and uh, that's going to relate back to that that big Superman arc that they get. Absolutely, because people people forget that where it's like, yeah, Tim was technically the leader of the Teen Titans, wasn't he? Before his death. And they all kind of fell apart because he died, even though their book had been canceled long before that anyway. Yeah, I guess there's going to be a bit of a power struggle between him and Damien, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's going to be fun. It is. I hope Damien brings up the fact that, hey, my book is actually good in selling more than your Teen Titans books ever did. <laughs> Mine is actually closer to what people wanted. <laughs> yeah, but Tim's taller, so... And Tim is taller and older, too. 
<laughs> God, they bust his balls so wonderfully in that one, Damien, because he's hanging out with Green Arrow's sister, Imiko. And it's like, oh, who's your girlfriend, Damien? She's not my girlfriend. God. <laughs> oh, hey, when you guys go to Homecoming, are you going to bring her a corsage? Or are you going to bring her the severed head of one of your enemies? <laughs> and it's true, because Benjamin Percy writes the Green Arrow book and writes the Titans book. I hope we actually do get to see them interact more. I would actually love the idea of them being this comedically mismatched couple. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Her takeaway is great, too, where it's like, hey, you know, you're still invited to join the Team Red Arrow. Yeah, but I'm too cool for you guys. (laughs) Sorry, but I'm way too cool. Bye. She's, She's got a touch of the Kate Bishop about her, where it's like, yeah, I'm cooler than my older counterparts. Just so slick, but yeah, that was uh, that was a fun one. That was pretty cool. Uh, what uh, what else did you have, Matt? Uh, Invincible Iron Man issue five hundred ninety four. I read this too. You want to take point on this one? Yeah, it wasn't very good. No, it was kind of forgettable. Is it's funny when I heard that the you know like infamous Iron Man book and uh, regular or like yeah infamous and Invincible were going to be folded over into one book. I'm like, oh, this will be cool to see them, you know, interacting more and bouncing off each other. I really wonder how Bendis is going to make this work. And the answer is he doesn't try and make it work. <laughs> he just makes it two different stories. He, like, takes, like, like both issues and, like, cuts pages out and just inserts them into the other. They don't even pretend. The art that. changes They don't. Well. Yeah, to, to the infamous art style. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, you're not even pretending like this is one book. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's bullshit. And, like, R- Riri and Tony's mom and MJ, their quest is like, oh, we got to find Dr. Doom because surely he'll help us find Tony's body, even though it's like, well, if you cared so much, why don't you go to the Avengers for help? Yeah, why don't you go to all these people that will be interested in that? <laughs> you figure there would be, like, a line of, like, 10, 20 people who would be more willing to help you before let's go to Dr. Doom. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, no they have to because he has an Iron Man armor as well. There you go. He has an invested interest. Although you would think that would mean he wouldn't want to find Tony because it's like, well, no, if Tony's yeah. back, he's going to make me stop being Iron Man. <laughs> exactly. And I'm, and I'm not going to stop And that's being probably Iron Man. how the story's going to go and it's going to pit both of both Riri and Victor against each other. I, I bet, and again, this was this was the Reddit rumor, this will last for an arc, this will last for a volume, then Bendis' time is done, and then Mark Wade comes aboard, and he writes the Tony versus uh, Victor Von Doom story. Yeah, that's going to happen. I, if he, if, it, I mean, it's the only way the story can go. It's really the only way. Yeah, yeah. And then whether Riri makes it or not is up in the air. Yeah, that's another that she might just be relegated back to, like, champions or something. I mean, she's not even on the champions team right now. Yeah, well, they, they, they might send her to there because she's a young hero, and that's the young hero team. Yeah, that's that's a place they... Heck, if they send Riri there, can you also send the other Falcon there as well? He just kind of fell off the face <laughs> of the earth. What? Where's Joachim at these days? Oh, what, Sam became Falcon again? Oh, well, shit, I guess I can't keep the costume then. We can't have two Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we have two Hawkeyes, two Spider-Mans, and two Thors, but you know, whatever. Yeah. He's respectful like that, Joaquim. But yeah, this this issue was funny too, because it's like, oh, who's who's the big villain they're gonna pit against Riri and these, you know, three women who are trying to find Tony's body? Hijack. Yeah, that, that mutant no one really cares about. 
the mutant that like Bendis was really interested in creating for his uncanny run that like he devoted a couple like strong issues to him being like yeah hijack he's a hispanic youth okay what's his power he steals cars <laughs> are are you sure Bendis are you sure okay well he steals more than he can steal anything with his mind <laughs> See, it's a cool power but it's not really used in the way it should be used nor have they ever done a good job explaining it where it's like well why is it only cars he can steal why is it only yeah. things with engines why why is that a thing when, when i was reading it's like so he can he can like steal like i guess like vehicles and stuff like that. so like why can't he just possess riri's armor that's where i thought it was going i'm like oh are they gonna be like oh but the armor is technically a vehicle so he can control it yeah, it has an engine, which is the arc reactor, so he can control it. Yeah, but they they don't they don't go what should be the interesting route. Yeah, and then that's where you bring in Victor Von Doom to stop Riri and stop the out of control Riri. <laughs> exactly, because he's like, oh, my suit doesn't have an arc reactor. I power it solely off magic. Try hijacking that bitch. Exactly. Except no, Victor's then beaten by the wrecker. Yeah, I know. Well, technically, it was more than just it was the Wrecker and like yeah. twelve other D-list villains. I, I I do see that people had a problem with that. My thing is like on their own, Doom could beat them without even lifting a finger. But the fact that it was like twelve of them, they got the jump on him, and they've clearly been planning to use all their unique powers to counteract what he does. Yeah, where it's like, look this this is their shiniest moment. This is the best they've ever been right now. <laughs> Like, even they're shocked they won. <laughs> and even then, they didn't so much win as, like, Doom had to, like, pull back. And he's like, well, I'm just going to find a way to kill you all and I'll be back. <laughs> Which, that's even a joke, too, where it's like, oh, he's just teleporting them away, right? He's not killing them. Because <laughs> it looks like he's <laughs> killing them. <laughs> no, I promise it's a teleportation spell. <laughs> it, it's great, too. And we talked about this on Twitter with our buddy Mitch. Where, you know, we're also dealing with the fallout of the whole, you know, evil Stark board of directors who's trying to wrestle away control of the company for, like, the fifth time this month. Yeah. Because apparently Tony can't not hire evil people who try and steal his company out from under him. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you know, now we need to we need to get rid of this Riri and Tony's mom and MJ, who apparently were never actually employees on paper. Like, Tony never thought to put them on paper. <laughs> he's just been paying them under the table and tax-free this whole time <laughs> which is weird because it's like okay yeah that's fitting in tony's character he's absent-minded he would probably forget to do that he'd be like yeah i'll do it later i'll do it later what's weird though is that this actually makes the evil like mustache twirling suit guys totally in the right legally when they're like oh we would like you to leave the property and everything if they had just called the police instead of hiring a mutant to attack them they would have been in the right exactly it's, it's, like no they just wander in and just hit him over the head with a guitar like you just assaulted someone with a deadly weapon you're going to jail yeah like freaking quick draw mcgraw she's like oh i'm gonna show you how we do it in shield i'm gonna show you how we do it in the world of rock and roll see this guitar i cracked keith moon's tooth with it <laughs> which was yeah. badass as fuck there's no two ways about it that was that was some gangster shit 
That was pretty sweet. I like it. Reminded me a lot of like the sequel to Get Shorty, where it's like, oh, you know, you think you think you're cool here in the world of high finance and business and everything. You think you guys are tough. Well, guess what? I'm from the music industry, and in the music industry, we're all gangsters. <laughs> but again, it's totally like, but why doesn't he just call the police? Then he was just assaulted, like you said. Well, that th- that's the thing. Like, she called the police. She still would have been uh, like, she she would have just assaulted the police. <laughs> that too, and then it wouldn't have stopped. It's like, oh, the, that old lady's got a guitar. What do we do? <laughs> no one can stop her. <laughs> She's guitar lady. I just I just thought that was so hilarious. The, the inconsistent is what this issue was to boil it down. Wildly inconsistent. Yep. I worry about it moving forward, too, because it's like, oh, well, is there any more movement on this other Tony Stark or whoever it is in this retro armor? No. No, it's just one page at the end of him still lying on the floor. Just to remind you, he's still in the fetal position. Even even the cover of this one mis- was misleading because you see another iron-armored person, but it's, like, whited out to be a big mystery. Yeah, and you think, oh, well, they're going to finally really reveal it. No. No. No, come back next week or come back next month. Yeah, or whenever Bendis decides to tell this part of the story. Yeah, I mean, talk about inconsistent. Same thing with Defenders from, I don't know if it was last week. Did you read Defenders from last week? No, I, I actually haven't read it since, like, issue five. Uh, well, it it's good, but this one was really like, oh, yeah, Bendis knew he was leaving. There's a yeah. three-page gag because, like, Jessica Jones hires Deadpool to protect them. There's a three-issue gag because, like, usually you open it up and it's, like, Jess saying, oh, last time on Defenders or, like, this is the story of Defenders. Deadpool yeah. takes three pages to say absolutely nothing and that's the joke. <laughs> and he says there, and, like, no, this doesn't count to your full 21 pay or 22 pages, everybody, so don't go crying on Reddit or anything. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, wow, this was a man who stopped giving a fuck. Yeah, you could tell that this was the week where the, when he wrote these books, what, a couple of months ago maybe, um, that, that this is this is that week when he was writing that he got the call from DC and was like, hey, do you want a job? And then he just like shut down all the work and just didn't give a fuck. <laughs> the ink was dry and he's like, hey, guess what? I'm going to give even less of a fuck than I was before. <laughs> guess what everybody oh apparently too someone told me hijack is actually in that like new mutants book with jubilee so he shouldn't even be there oh really yeah so apparently that was another bendis don't give a fuck about your continuity he invented this character and he'll do whatever he wants with him honey bendis don't give a fuck honey bendis don't give a fuck he could not give less of a fuck he's not even working for marvel anymore that's how many fucks he didn't give (laughs) When, when, when he put in, like, his two weeks notice, he gave, like, his two fucks as well. These are my last two fucks. I'm giving them <laughs> in. I am officially out. I have zero left. There are no more. <laughs> uh, yeah, what uh, what else was this week, too? I feel, I feel like I'm so far behind, and I'm doing a messed up thing where I'm putting new books next to old books as well so I can fully catch up. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing that as well. Uh, oh, we both read Nightwing New Order. Mm-hmm. That was a good issue. It was good. I like uh, the makeup of the Teen Titans, or just Titans, they're not teens anymore, of this, you know, like, dark alternate future. Yeah, it's pretty much the same as, like, the normal Teen Titans, but with a Lois Lane uh, Blue Lantern. What a cool idea to make Lois a Blue Hope Lantern. That's really well done. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Because Superman represents hope, and in a world where seemingly Superman is gone, Lois must become the symbol of hope. 
Yep. Gotta keep it alive. Uh, a beast boy who lost his powers halfway through transforming, so now he looks like a Thundercat. Yeah, that, he looks pretty cool. Uh, Cyborg, who's back on the Titans team. I like all it took was an Elseworlds for Cyborg to be a Titan again. <laughs> and didn't it fit? Didn't it just feel right for him yeah. to be a Titan? It did. It did. Even though he's old as shit, although Wally's old as shit, too. Yeah, yeah. And someone then we've got Starfire. Me, yeah, someone told me with his crazy red hair, Wally actually looked like Walter Kovacs from Watchmen. <laughs> oh, it's him. He's now the Flash He's now, of this oh alternate God. timeline. <laughs> oh, my God. Someone gave Rorschach the Speed Force. Everybody down. <laughs> That's terrifying. Uh, yeah, uh, Starfire, who I'm like, you know, what's up with all this Mass Effect armor? I didn't think, oh, yeah, she lost her powers. She needs to augment with, like, guns and shit now to actually get the job done. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't have her powers anymore. Which is fitting. And I like, too, uh, even though it's an Elseworlds story, Kyle Higgins clearly does his homework and actually, like, mentions the origin of Starfire and uh, the Titans and saying, you know, yeah. I-, I loved you once, but you've turned the world into a police state, not unlike the evil alien race I was sold to as a child. Yeah, and, and that, that that's sort of, like, the catalyst for, 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 for Dick to, like, turn to the... And that's what I really like about this. He didn't just immediately become part of the Resistance. No. He was still like, no, no, I, oh, I'll help you. But we're still keeping this world as it is. We're yeah. still keeping this metahuman crusader thing going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had, to, he had to go through a lot to come out the other side. It was very well done in that regard. Yeah, and the other side is visiting Mr. Freeze's lab. I love that, where it's like, oh, who did the Crusaders put in charge of this, like, you know, inoc- uh, inoculation program? Who's really smart and who's Gotham-based? Oh, Mr. Freeze. Yeah, and he looks really cool as well. He His looks design cool. looks awesome. He looks like, uh, what is it, one of the frickin' Centibites. He's got, like, a big, long giraffe neck now and everything. Yeah, it looks really cool. He's got a bunch of upgrades. That's That's a final level boss, if I've ever seen one. Yeah, well, we've only got two issues left of this book. Yeah. Also, I like, too, with what little we see of Kate Kane. She's the villain, but she's not really the villain. Yeah, she, she doesn't... She, she's an unknowingly being a villain. Yeah, she's the unknowing antagonist, where it's like, they make a solid point of showing that she's not a monster, and she is trying to actually help out Dick's son what little she can. Yeah, yeah, but she doesn't realize that helping him sends him to, like, Mr. Freeze and just yeah. awful, terrible terror lab. <laughs> yeah, to get friggin' cryoed, which it's like, yeah, that also makes sense. They're saying all the metas they can't control they put in cryo sleep. Well, who's an expert on cryo sleep? Yeah, yep. Some might say he's the leading mind in his field, as messed up as that is. <laughs> I'd love to be there for that conversation. Hey, Mr. Freeze, you want to, you know, make shit for us? Okay. Can I have some cool upgrades? Sure. Can I have an awesome giraffe neck that makes me look like a centibite? I mean, if you want. <laughs> I mean, not not everyone asks for that, but I mean, sure, why not? I've always wanted a neck. <laughs> I've always wanted it. Yeah, I guess in all of his costumes, it never looks like he has a neck, does it? <laughs> I have I have neck envy. I really want to accentuate my neck <laughs> for the first time ever. Uh, man, was it was that it for this week? Because there's like a bunch I still haven't read. I haven't read. Yeah. I haven't read Nightwing from last week. I haven't read the new Champions crossover. Nor have I read Miss Marvel. Heck, I have all the issues of Bats Out of Hell, and I haven't even read that yet. Yeah, oh, you got to read that. I'm going to. Apparently, it's quite important, and you know we've got like a lull in uh, the Dark Knight's metal for a bit. We do. We haven't had a, an actual issue for it for a while now. It's been a while, yeah. 
Yeah, that's those those, those delays. It's crazy to think that Doomsday Clock just started and we're still in the middle of Dark Knight's Metal, and yet that's not a problem. No, no, it, it doesn't feel like a problem. Because they're so, so, such two totally different events on two totally different ends of the spectrum. Yeah, and, and ends of the spectrum and ends of the timeline as well. Mm-hmm. Also, Doomsday Clock has no tie-ins so far. Yeah, I don't think it will. I don't think it will either, but they could always just spring that on us out of nowhere. Oh yeah, no tie-ins. <laughs> I think if there are going to be tie-ins, they're going to be handled very organically, like what we saw in action comics, where Batman's like, hey, I think someone's fucking with us. Yeah, I think that's probably all we're going to be getting, and it'll have like little stars saying, read Doomsday Clock issue 5 or something. Heck, I mean, basically all of DC Rebirth up until now has been one giant tie-in for Doomsday Clock. That's true. That's true. Every time we saw a blue hand, every time someone disappeared, boom, that was your tie-in. <laughs> that was it. You read it. You read it and you didn't even know you were reading it. <laughs> Which is probably the best part about this one as well. Like, you could follow every breadcrumb trail and be really excited for Doomsday Clock, or you could have read none of it and it didn't matter. Yeah. And yeah. to think that an event like that uh, is so, you know, like, think so much of the reader to be like, hey... Watchmen is basically the Citizen Kane of comics. We're pretty sure you read it, but if you haven't, maybe you should. Yeah, it's it's required reading. Mm-hmm. Or at the very now, least, now, yeah. Or at the very least, we hope you saw the movie. Yeah. If nothing else, but it's different though. <laughs> Don't expect it to be exactly the same. So yeah, I mean, on that regard, can we basically bring the show to a closer? I mean, that's pretty much everything for me. Do you have anything else? Yeah. Uh, no, that's pretty much it all. All right, then. So yeah, that was your Doomsday Clock extravaganza, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it as much as Matt and I enjoyed bringing it to you. As always, if you're a patron, you'll get to listen to this show first before anyone else, and you can do so for as little as a dollar a month. It's much appreciated for Matt and myself. Yep, and you'll also get the video edition of this that you can watch us before anyone else. Absolutely, a lot of you are enjoying the video version of this show. The retention is way up, and we certainly appreciate that. Uh, As always, too, with the holiday season coming up, you're probably going to be wanting to buy some books either for yourself or for all those important people in your life. Matt and I both, down in the description of the video, have book depository links. If you use those, not only will you get an amazing deal and not pay a cent for shipping and handling, but a small percentage of everything you buy goes to support me and Matt. Yep, and that I know for a fact that Book Depository are having massive sales on at the moment because I just bought a bunch of stuff. Oh, yes, they are. Now, now is the time to get on in there and get yourself something good. Yeah, I also have a tea public store. I know Joel does as well. Yes. Uh, we both got a bunch of different designs going up. I've got more designs coming on mine as well, just mm. original stuff uh, yes. that isn't comic multiverse related. Comic multiverse related stuff goes on Joel's. Yes. And That's um, made some killer designs. I think also at the moment they're doing some, I know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday deal or anything. Everything's like real cheap there at the moment. So go pick yeah. yourself up a shirt. Yes, I, uh, I was sure to get myself some Black Friday stuff there. I got myself an elite jacket patch that I've been looking at for the longest time. <laughs> now I have to learn how to sew shit. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just, yeah, put it on with spit and hope it stays. <laughs> yeah, sticky tape, duct tape it on. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's like that bit in Simpsons where it's like, hey, can you, uh, Miss Simpsons, can you sew this logo back on? I tried spitting on it, but it just wouldn't <laughs> stay. 
Uh, and with that, everyone, that'll just about do it for the show this week. Again, thank you so much for watching and listening. And Matt and I will be back again next week, Wednesday, 8 a.m. for everyone, or 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for everyone who's not a patron. If you are a patron, you could be listening to it right now, which is Sunday around 1130. There you go. Yeah. So bye, everybody. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye-bye.